listening to the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast, where I thought the NFL was supposed to go into a little bit of a low period <laughs> after the Super Bowl, but this week, certainly not the case. Dan, what do you think, man? Yeah, I was. we were just talking about this earlier, like a, a lot of action for um, for it to be this early in the offseason, right? This is the offseason, isn't it? That's what I thought. I thought so, yeah. I thought, right. man, that it would be pretty sleepy until pretty much around the draft, and then that's when everything sort of kicks back into gear. But Yeah, I thought we'd be taking a little bit of a cat nap until <laughs> uh, the opening season, uh, or at least in the uh, training camp. Uh, but boy, there's been so much action in the NFL uh, the last week or so uh, since the last time we talked. It's it's wild. Good. It's good because we have something to uh, chat about, Bobby. But uh, at the same time, just kind of surprising, kind of surprising. I, I, you know, I don't know if this is going to be a trend where the offseason just starts going earlier and earlier. Just uh, literally but, a full year round for the NFL. <laughs> But we're just going to have to probably bump off that time we were going to talk about the Alliance this week and uh, just go right back to the good old NFL. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think that's what it was. They're like, all right, teams, we, we need you to get it moving here. We had another football right. league start up and don't want yeah. anybody even really thinking about them after Sunday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it's funny. Uh, and as always, you're joined by your host, Bob and Dan. But, um, Dan, when I knew we were going to look for our tight end discussion to finish up our way too early 2000. 2019 rankings i thought boy we might not have much more than that to talk about so that one could be a short one but um yeah i think we're gonna start things off with some off-season occurrences here and i think we'll go in sort of chronological order from earliest this week until like maybe four hours ago before we recorded yeah right so the first one dan i want to get your thoughts on and we'll go back and forth on is the cleveland Browns signed kareem hunt to a one-year contract so we talked about this before we came online. What was your initial reaction? Because I know we've sort of shot text messages back and forth. So what was your initial reaction to Kareem Hunt to the Browns? Uh, I was shocked. Uh, I mean, I, I I thought that that was kind of the last place they needed to get anybody. Right. Um, because of how great Nick Chubb played. I think you and I both, when we talked about running backs, had him ranked within the top 10 for going into the next season because we love the offense. We love what Baker Mayfield brings to the table. It uh, takes a lot of heat off the running game, and it's a very dynamic offense. And, and he was comfortably just, ranked in the top 10 for, for right, both of us. Right. And so I was thinking to myself, what is going on? And if I'm Nick, my first thought was, if I'm Nick Chubb, I'm, I'm thinking, what else do I have to do to be the man around these parts? Like I beat out Carlos Hyde, who, who was a very, very, who was not, I'm going to say very, very, but a good back. Uh, you know, had nice seasons before going into this Brown season. He was supposed to be the starter throughout Nick, Nick Chubb outplayed him uh, so much so that they traded him away to Jacksonville. Uh, so my first initial thoughts were, geez, I'm oh man, if I'm Nick Chubb, I'm a little disappointed uh, because now you're bringing in, it's not like they're bringing in an aging back like Marshawn Lynch or something like that to kind of take some of the pressure off. Okay. Uh, you know, Nick, you're going to get the first couple of carries and we'll give uh, this, you know, this old experienced player, somebody you can learn from somebody you can learn some, you know, some, you know, some, some pointers from and play style and stuff like that from, and try to take the heat off of you. No, this is a guy who's going into his third season in the prime of his career. 
uh, in terms of football. I mean, legit, football a legit top five back the past two years until he, you know, got released and suspended. Fair to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Very extremely fair to say. Accurate. Uh, so, I mean, what is what's Nick Chubb? I feel, I feel disrespected if I'm Nick Chubb. Yeah. So I, I sort of had the initial thought as well. And then when you actually start reading about it, there's a few things to keep in mind here. One, he's going to be punished in some form or fashion. Could it be four right. games? Could it be eight games? Could it be 10 games? We don't know that. Second of all, he's only under a one year contract and then he's a restricted free agent in 2020. So let's just say for whatever reason, he's suspended the whole year or he's suspended three quarters of the year, comes back, shows enough. I mean, in theory, the Browns could have a trade chip that was just sitting on the waivers that they didn't sure. have on their team. And I think really who it hurts the most is Duke Johnson. Um, Cause if I'm them, I mean, Nick Chubb's the unquestioned starter going into the season. And I think we, I know I talked about his 16 game pace. I think he would have been like a top five fantasy running back last year had he played the whole season. So I'm almost wondering if they just see, hey, you know, we were just outside of the playoffs. If this guy comes back at all, we've got two of the better running young running backs in the league. And worst case scenario, he shows really well and we can trade him for and third, fourth, whatever round draft pick that we didn't have on our team. So uh, there's it was definitely a polarizing move. I, I, I read Tampa Bay was highly considering him, and I thought that would have been a good spot for him. Yeah, for sure. But um, it's going to be interesting to see when the suspension finally comes down because that's going to really right. tell you what to sort of do and, and think of when it comes to Nick Chubb. Because to me, he was creeping into the maybe late first, but definitely mid to early second round as you look at it right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I felt the same way. Uh, it's a situation where um, <laughs> I would n- I never would have expected that this was going to be the situation we were dealing with this early in the off season. I never expected to even be considering where Kareem Hunt could be possibly landing right until maybe even training camp. Um, or at least waiting to see what kind of suspension he gets, um, from the NFL. Uh, I did not expect him to be on the, on the Browns, but you know, John Dorsey was, uh, I think the guy who brought Kareem into the league, he was the guy who drafted him in Kansas city. So he's very familiar with him. And I know whenever you draft somebody in the NFL, uh, you have a lot of interviews and stuff like that. So uh, he must have shown something to Dorsey to, to give him a little bit of confidence in the fact that maybe he can learn from this situation. Um, but I, I think your point is, is probably the best one I've heard so far, Bob, is that there's not really, aside from the PR hit, who which we don't talk about, but in terms of uh, fantasy perspective and fantasy assets it, it, and just kind of the things that he can bring to the Browns, uh, it's a kind of a no brainer. Cause it's, it's one of those situations like with Josh Gordon and the Patriots, uh, it was a great deal. Uh, and they got three or four spectacular games out of Josh Gordon and he's out. And, and now they're not really out that much. Right. I mean, right. it was a brilliant, it was a brilliant move for the Patriots because you got, you know, a couple of good games out of Josh Gordon and then he's gone and you really didn't give up that much. Right. Um, here it's the same thing. And, it, and if he shows any life at all, uh, they control his free agency rights. Um, th- that's a huge trade, um, you know, chip for them in terms of trying to accumulate picks and stuff like that. 
and and frankly, let's see. I mean, we're saying Kareem Hunt's a huge, um, you know, trade chip. Uh, what do you think about Nick Chubb now? I, I mean, it's not like they're sold on. I mean, this is Nick Chubb's second year in the league. Uh, they they don't have a long term investment on Nick Chubb either. Uh, so I don't know. I could see I could see a reality where Kareem Hunt, you know, sits out however many games, probably maybe eight games, uh, comes back, plays at the same level he was at before, has some great games. Nick Chubb's maybe kind of on the downward slide, not playing as well. Uh, I can see them moving Nick Chubb and staying with Kareem Hunt and then maybe giving Hunt another chance. Uh, so it definitely gives them a lot of. Uh, where they can go with the team from here. Um but very surprising, very surprising to not expect him to even be on a roster, frankly, until you heard what the suspension was going to be. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the surprising part. I, I think you nailed it is why not wait until the suspension gets right. levied. But right. But yeah, it's something to definitely monitor um, and, and and look closely. And then we follow that up with, um, you know, a day or two ago, Antonio Brown continues his offseason plea to get out of Pittsburgh. He has a tweet yeah. saying, thank you, Steeler Nation, for a big nine years. And then earlier today, basically puts out something on his Instagram feed that says he's open for business and all fans caption below next city. So he's obviously trying to angle to get out of Pittsburgh. Now, uh, here's what would happen here is Pittsburgh would have to eat $21.1 million in dead cap space if they trade Brown. That would increase to 23.6 mm. after March 17th. So it sounds like if they're going to do something, it's going to be before March 17th, but they could play hardball again like they did with Le'Veon Bell. So what are your thoughts on the whole? And I'm, I'm personally getting tired of it after dealing with Le'Veon Bell last year and now this. <laughs> but what are your yeah. thoughts as far as this is concerned? Yeah, I, I think we all have got kind of uh, free agency fatigue uh, in, in the terms of being Steeler fans at this point, because, oh boy, it's just one season where we've got the whole bell thing. And, and that, let's be honest, it loomed over the whole entire season. There was one week where you and I didn't talk about it. And imagine being in the locker room. I mean, it's easy to say, oh, we're not really concerned about it. We're concerned about the people here in the locker room. Um, but, you know, I, for some reason, I mean, it, me, at least, if I'm in the locker room, it's in the back of my head. I mean, it's coming up. You're, you're getting asked it every day by right. reporters. And that's the other thing is nobody can leave it alone. Everyone always needs to bring it up because it's a hot story. And obviously, what else is there to talk about? Um, so I, I'm with you. And the other thing I, I really I mean, uh, let's I've made no uh, secrets about it. I'm an Antonio Brown fan. Uh, he, he was my favorite player on the uh, the team um, for, you know, since he's been there pretty much. I mean, I, I think he's great. I, I love the, the celebrations and the end zone and all that stuff. I think that's a lot of fun. He's, he's bringing a lot of fun to the to the team and to the game. And, and I've always enjoyed it. Uh, the one thing I, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of is just the free agency being kind of controlled by the social media. I, I, oh, I just that's don't. The worst. Yeah, I don't care. I mean, I, I know that the media likes it um, in terms of sports reporters and stuff like that because it, it keeps the story going. Um, but it, it, as a fan, it just kind of irks me. Um, you know, but the thing is, is no matter where he goes, uh, I think I'll always have a soft spot, soft spot for the guy because he is, he is a spectacular player and he's fun to watch. Uh, you know, it, it is, I wish he could be retiring as a, as a stealer, honestly, uh, because I think he would have gone down and he probably will go down as one of the all time great players. But, you know, when people leave your hometown team, you know, like 
you know, kind of like this, it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Uh, but you know, it is a business, no hard feelings. And that's just the kind of the way it is. And we all feel a little bit more personally invested because it's our team and it's our hometown. And I, I think you would agree with me that if you're embraced by the city of Pittsburgh, if you embrace the city of Pittsburgh, you can do no wrong. Everybody loves you. But the minute you appear to AK turn your back or, uh, reject the city, uh, there, there's no hope for you in terms of turning it around. Yeah, everybody, think- everybody turns on you uh, because we've got a lot of pride. There's a lot of Pittsburgh pride there. Uh, and it's tough for people to separate the love for their city and the love for the team from people who are, are honestly maybe not from there and, uh, you know, want to move on to better their careers or get into a different situation. Uh, but whenever it has kind of it's tied to your heartstrings of your hometown team of your hometown for your favorite sport, uh, things tend to get a little bit more personal than I think emotional than logical, in my opinion. Yeah, that's what we call in Pittsburgh when the Yinzer comes out and the fans. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, uh, and I know my wife and I talked about this at dinner, is, I mean, really the Steelers control everything because he's under contract. So right. they need to look at, do they want to go through a similar situation like they did last year? Or do they just say, you know what, let's put it out there. We're going to take the, the best value we can get for him. So, well, I saw yesterday on ESPN, you know, everyone has the story going on that they're basically looking for a first round pick. But some people are saying, yeah, it's probably he's probably worth more of a second round or a third round pick. Uh, I don't know how, how he can be worth that. It seems worth a first round pick to me with what he brings to the team. Um and, and to me, frankly, it looks like he desperately is trying to get to San Francisco. Um, oh, he, you know, I mean, with, with that Jerry be more Rice, obvious? Yeah. you know, kind of coming in there and him tweeting out pictures of himself in a 49ers uniform uh, and stuff like that. And, you know, he did thank the city for all the great years he had there, but it's just time for him to move on. And, uh, and everybody just doesn't understand why you don't want to be in Pittsburgh your entire life. Trust me, I understand that. Uh, when I moved away, it was questioned by everyone I knew. But <laughs> at the same time, uh, you know, if he goes out to the Bay Area, if he goes to San Francisco, uh, man, that really changes that franchise a lot. Um in terms of, you know, Marquise Goodwin not necessarily needing to be the number one. Dante Pettis is still there. He gives him some time to mature and instantly gives you an all-star pro bowl uh, wide receiver one for Jimmy G to throw to. And one of the uh, best tight ends in the league. Eh, we'll talk about that later. I agree. One of the best tight ends in the league, but it's also uh, I think it will. It, it, I think it will. Ha- if if he ends up there uh, and, you know, this is all speculation, I think it would have a pretty big impact on uh, the Kittle production. Kittle. Uh, but at Kittle. Kittle. Yeah. Uh, Kitty Kittle. And I <laughs> <laughs> just uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm just not sure where he ends up. Uh, I, I know for a fact I saw today that he's not going to be in the AFC North. Yep, so or in the Patriots. He's not going to the Ravens, and he's not going to the Patriots, which I say thank you very much, Steelers organization, for never to at least taking that hard line. Uh, but I, I was thinking today, where about other places he could pot- potentially end up? Uh, what about Miami? What do you think about that? They need a number one receiver down there. Kenny Stills is not necessarily setting the world on fire. Uh, Devontae Parker, not necessarily living up to the hype. Uh, they need a receiver down there. 
Uh, what about AB to Miami? What do you think about that? They could. I just don't like their quarterback situation whatsoever. Sure. But that's that. That's one where I still think his skill. I don't think yeah. it would get him to a hundred, twelve hundred, and like ten plus touchdowns. Like he's basically averaged. But right. I mean, you're easily. I mean, you're approaching those numbers. I think regardless. But yeah, I mean, that's if he, one. If he goes to San Francisco, you still haven't ranked in the top ten of receivers in the league. Yeah, top ten. Yes. I, I mean, he'd have to go to like a Buffalo or something like that, where I'd really consider. I mean, Miami, maybe. Um, although I think he'd be a target hog down there. I mean, right. he's going to be a target hog no matter where he goes. But um, I'd have a hard time dropping him out of the top ten pretty much in any spot he goes to, really. Sure. Um, I don't know. Because, I mean, he's, he's 100, 1,210 a... touchdowns at least every year. Buffalo would be an interesting spot for him to land. Uh, I like Josh Allen. I like yeah. what I saw out of him. So, and they definitely need receivers up there. There, are, there are some receiver hungry teams. Um, so I think there there should be a lot of suitors there. It's just what price are you willing to pay, right? And what are you willing to accept? Uh, unfortunately, it's pretty well known at this time that they want he wants out. So not necessarily in the best position. Um, the Steelers aren't necessarily in the best position to negotiate uh, at this point, I don't think, because I, I think you can kind of expect them. They want to get out as soon as they can, so they don't have to pay the money. Um, so it doesn't necessarily lend themselves, lend itself the situation that is uh, to a very strong bargaining position um, just because, I mean, if the guy doesn't want to be there, so he's, he's leaving one way or the other. You want to deal with the headache or give us a second round or we'll give you a second round pick. Right. Uh, it, I mean, it's almost like, look, it's almost like the Anthony Davis situation. It's one of those things where, okay, well, he's leaving anyways. We're not going to blow the whole team up, even though the Lakers almost looked like they were going to uh but that's one where i like what they did because really did you get anything of note out of that and i mean no no wow, the lakers no. are sitting at 10th right now with with now a healthy lebron james so right i think those are just a bunch it's like throwing a bunch of bit pieces to get a megastar it's that right. you know that i i like that they sort of held their ground and said look we're just gonna try see what goes on we still have them under contract so i think sure. this is one where, i mean we're obviously going to talk about as soon as any news breaks but Dan, the last one yep. I, w- I want to talk about before we get into the tight ends, and it's real quick because I think it does no upgrade to me. But Joe Flacco traded from the Ravens to the Broncos for a 2019 fourth round pick. I actually like that for the Ravens because I mean you get a fourth round pick for a guy that's 34. He's been dealing with a ton of injuries and outside of that playoff run to me never really showed massive upside. So uh, right. I like it for. Baltimore, you saw Lamar Jackson is is the future there, but um, I, I real quick, Dan, is this a, really a positive upgrade for Denver over Case Keenum? I mean, I would think it is, but not much. Uh, I mean, uh, when we talked about quarterbacks, uh, this was one of the question mark players I had. Where is he going to be? Is he going to be in Baltimore or not? Now he's squarely not going to be there. Uh, but the other thing is, is that they've traded away all the receivers. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, basically, you've got your your second year um, wide receiver. His name is escaping. Cortland right Sutton now. and then Cortland Deshaun Sutton. Hamilton, I believe, was the other one. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, who's Flacco throwing the ball to? Uh, maybe. Right. Hey, let's maybe let's see. Maybe AB goes out there. Yeah, That'd right. be wild. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. It doesn't. I mean. 
uh, Keenum wasn't somebody who I was looking to grab last year. Uh, even when he had Emmanuel Sanders, who had a couple of nice fantasy games, uh, Keenum wasn't somebody who I think was even drafted in, in our league of record. Nope. Uh, and Flacco, I know was not, uh, he was a nice fill in a week or two here and there at the beginning of the season. And I know you and I were big, big fans of John Brown going into the year, but as soon as Lamar Jackson took over, he kind of disappeared. Um, it, it doesn't do much for me. Uh, I think it's, it's a good football move. Um, for the for the Broncos to a point because uh, I think it's maybe another bridge player to get to the next big quarterback maybe um, but in terms of fantasy doesn't really move the needle for me very much yeah. uh, it, in fact I, I think it just kind of keeps the receivers kind of at the same level because there's not that big of a there's not a jump into a better there's not a big jump because there's a better quarterback I think it's the same level of play uh, that you're getting Keenum. In fact, I think Flacco is less mobile than Keenum. So right. maybe a little bit of a dip there. Yep. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I mean, Ke- uh, Flacco throws a nice deep ball. So there's that. We'll see what, whether he can use that. Uh, they can use that to their advantage out there. Yeah. So I don't really have much else to say. I don't, I don't think it's a massive upgrade, but hey, Denver's doing what they can. So sure. Dan, I didn't think in the middle of February we'd spend 20 minutes opening the show talking about player news. So that was interesting. <laughs> so are you yeah, right? Are you ready to switch gears and talk about our final position for the 2019 early rankings, the tight end wasteland? Yeah, I'll tell you right now, we can light this uh, right. Light this candle right here, right now. Uh, there, there are going to be big names that are not showing up in my rankings because I don't know what's going to happen with them next year. Uh, so these are very preliminary rankings, uh, but we'll see when people a either, de- either declare they're actually coming back next season, um, or B depending on how things shake out injury wise. Um, what's going to happen. So Dan, I'm going to go ahead and get our discussion kicked off. My number one, I think it's pretty obvious is Travis Kelsey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> so, I mean, there's not going to be really much discussion. I'm just going to hit my bullet points and then throw it to you. Mine were, I mean, he's as a tight end, he's one of the few that are, are like a focal point of the offense. He's up to his target amount each year since 2014, 87, 103, 117, 122, all the way to 150 targets last year. He's at least 15 games played each of the last four years. And he's coming off 103 receptions, 1,336 yard, 10 touchdowns. His reception total was 10th overall in the NFL, as well as his receiving yards, 10th overall in the league for any pass catcher. <laughs> Simply put, he's on one of the best offenses. He's been one of the best tight ends for years. Travis Kelsey's my number one. I don't know how debatable that is, but Dan, you also have him as your number one. So what points do you have about Travis Kelsey? I just had, I mean, it's, he's a no brainer. It's the no brainer. Number one. I mean, this is, this is Gronk. This is where Gronk was uh, a couple of years ago. Right. Um, frankly, it's one of those guys who, if he's not taken, he, he, he can't be taken in the first round because uh, it, I mean, it's crazy to take him in the first round. How early would you take uh, him? Second. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm fine. Taking him in the second. If you nail, uh, say like a RB one, I think in the first round, uh, 
So where I would where the the best spot I think you could possibly take him is if you have the first overall pick. Yep, you stole uh, it. I was just gonna say that you you, you grab somebody like Gurley or Kamara, any of those guys we talked about when we went through the RBs, uh, and and then you grab uh, a wide receiver one, and then Kelsey at the turn at the beginning of the third round. I think that's the that is like the best scenario you could ask for in terms of grabbing that guy because you're getting uh, a wide receiver one in a tight end position. Right. But here's the thing. I don't think he lasts. No. I know somebody's going to say, eh, I'm grabbing him right now. And, uh, and there's a possibility in our league. He's more than likely a keeper. So he might yeah, not even be available for us. <laughs> that's the other thing that I, is he's he's in our league. He should be a keeper uh, because I, I think he was in the, the fourth or fifth round. I mean, it's late um, because I don't think anybody saw him making the leap he did this year. Um, but he's got a, his, his quarterback is stellar. Uh, there's no questions there. Um, he's got the uh, outstanding athletic abilities and matchup nightmare. He's a wide receiver, one type number fantasy producer. Um, so he's definitely got to be the number one overall a tight end. And I uh, wouldn't be surprised if he, sh- I mean, in overall fantasy rankings, he's got to be up there near the top as well, just because of how great he's been. Um, in terms of uh, production, tight end, I mean, tight end, t- touchdowns, yardage, catches, all that good stuff. Yeah, so I, I knew that was going to be pretty much status quo for both of us. So, Dan, who's yeah. your number two tight end going into 2019? Uh, it is Zach Ertz. So, uh, you know, to me, it was like kind of a 1A, 1B type situation. Uh, Zach Ertz is the best receiver on the, the Eagles. Uh, he's the other guy who they make a uh, – there's an effort to get him touches. I mean, they want to get him the ball as much as they can. And I think back to the the hard knocks with um, the Browns when they played the Eagles in the preseason and, and the guys who were on the Eagles said, or on the Browns who had come over from the Eagles said, Ertz is the best receiver on the team. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he showed that this year. The only reason that really makes him the number two for me, uh, because I, I think they are, Similar players, I like Kelsey more because I like the quarterback more. I like Mahomes more uh, than Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, injury concerns. Uh, you don't really know who's going to be there. He showed he can get it done with Nick Foles, um, but you know he was a great, great target for Wentz. If Wentz is back to 100%. Maybe we have a little bit more competition here for the number one spot, but uh, right now the the court the QB uh, concerns and injuries and stuff like that is what makes Ertz the number two for me. Yeah, so I'm gonna surprise you. Uh, my number two is actually George Kittle. Really? Yeah. Uh, let me give my reasons why. So I think he was one of those ones where people saw a possible breakout occur, but he had the most receiving yards for a tight end in a season ever. With three different quarterbacks, <laughs> so I mean, I I could have saw uh, I could have seen a breakout occur with Jimmy Garoppolo the entire yeah. year, but then you yeah. just throw in C.J. Beathard and then primarily Nick Mullins. I mean, really, and he had the most receiving yards for a tight end in the season. So, I mean, the expectation is you're getting a quarterback upgrade just by your quarterback being healthy. <laughs> His receiving yard total was eighth overall in the entire NFL for pass catchers. And really, he was the entire offense for a 49ers team and showed game-breaking ability with an 85-yard long touchdown on the year. Now, if he can up his touchdown total, that was just five last year, to eight, right, and sort of maintain around those stats, he's creeping up towards Kelsey and Ertz. So I'm 
taking the belief that Jimmy Garoppolo upgrades him. I mean, I, I don't see him having this many yards, but I would see the catch total and possibly the. <laughs> oh, I would foresee the touchdown total going up. So I'm just buying into the fact that the breakout occurred much earlier and he's just going to build off of it. So I have him barely above Zach Ertz as my number two tight end so so you've got like a one and then a 2a 2b almost situation going on here yeah because i mean i'll just segue into it now since it's my turn zach Ertz is my number three uh yeah and he could easily be one he could easily be two um, right but this is i mean this is pretty crazy to say but this is yet another tight end who had a record-breaking performance he broke Jason Witten's single season receptions record with 116, which was second overall in the league, only behind Michael Thomas of the Saints. Let me give you his <clears throat> jumps in stats. So to me, it was an insane jump in target totals. He went from 110 to 156 year over year. That's a 42% increase and a sizable jump in reception, 74 to 116. That's a 36% increase. The one thing I'm liking, which I think was a knock on him earlier, uh, but he's sort of dispelled that the past two years, he's had back-to-back eight touchdown reception seasons. So, I mean, easily, like I said, could be my number one, could be my number two, but he's, like you said, my 2B based on those stats alone. So, Zach Ertz is my third. George, George Kittle is my number three. Yeah, I figured uh, these were going to be the top three. Right. Um, and, and frankly, I, I know you you kind of thought the jump was early. Uh, and you kind of have a lot more faith in the jump than I do. Uh, he's my number three based upon basically the resume he put together last season. Right. Um, but I'm just not sure he can sustain that level of production. Um, what my concern is, is what happens when McKinnon comes back? What happens with Jimmy G's at the helm? And you think that that is a, uh, would take a positive, uh, have a positive impact in this production. I'm not necessarily sure it does. I'm just worried that, is there going to be the same level? I know he showed up with three different quarterbacks, and now this is going to be the best quarterback he played with by far in terms of talent. Um, but he was, I think he was basically all they had last season. Right. Um, I mean, the backfield was banged up. Breda wasn't always there. Um, the receivers did not have any good games. Pierre Garcon was not the same player he's usually he had usually been leading into this year he was older um is it fair to say dan the receiving core could have been among the worst just for last year i mean yeah i mean marquis goodwin was a nice player at the end of the season of the year before uh but definitely did not have the same level of fantasy production that he had uh the previous year uh, Pettis had nice games here or there, but it was inconsistent. So uh, basically the, the most reliable option there is uh, George Kittle. Yep. Um, with another season in the bed, does Pettis steal more targets? Does Goodwin take a jump? And, and now you've got the impending or possible um, arrival of Antonio Brown. I can tell I you if, if that happens, he will move just based on – a hundred catch receiver plus coming into your team. <laughs> right. And I think the, the outlook, not the outlook. I think the offensive offense changes when you have Antonio Brown. Right. I don't think you can run. You don't, you don't run the same plays you do when, when your number one receiver is Pierre Garçon, you run different plays because you're playing to the strengths of Antonio Brown. Um, it, but the other thing is, is with a deep threat, like Antonio Brown with the town that he brings, it really might open up the middle of the field. 
Right. Uh, and that's where Kittle can probably do a lot more damage. I mean, he had game had a game where he almost had 200 yards receiving. So <laughs> uh, I'm not denying the guy's talent. I just don't know if he can sustain it because he's having a lot more weapons come back uh, this year um, coming off of a season where basically I think he was the only viable fantasy option on the 49ers other than the random Brady games that you and I kind of were able to grab here and there. All completely fair point. So yeah, he's going to be interesting because to me out of the top three, he has the most volatility. Is that fair to right. say? Absolutely. Yeah. Then that's kind of what it came down to me is that uh, I know I get consistency for Kelsey. I know I'll get consistency from or Ertz. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent convinced I'm getting consistency from Kittle just because uh, I don't know what the team's going to look like. So, I mean, and that's kind of what happens whenever we do these rankings crazy early. Uh, But it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, going into last season, I think everyone expected Hunter Henry to be just a monster this year. Uh, And then he doesn't even make it out of the preseason. So um, that's just one of those things that we'll just have to see how the year goes and how the free agency progresses um, just to see kind of whether Kittle's going to be the main man there still or if there's going to be some more mouths to feed. Uh, where he's not going to be able to kind of sustain the level of production. Very fair point. So here's where we could differ the entire way. So, (laughs) Dan, who's your number four going into next year? Uh, My number four is actually O.J. Howard. Ooh, we match on this one. Get out. Nice. And uh, here's what it comes down to for me. I think this is all upside. Right. Um, This is all – this is a super athletic tight end, Uh, and I think you saw the upside that he brought to the field last season. Um, Before the injuries – uh, to me, he was becoming a must start tight end because the offense was kind of uh, clicking, especially with, you know, the quarterbacks there were hit and miss. But I think the one consistency or the couple of things that were consistent were uh, Mike Evans and frankly, OJ Howard for a couple of games there. Uh, I think he's better than it than Braid. Um and now you're having a new offensive coordinator come in with Byron Lefkowitz. You've got Bruce Arians there. Uh, he's a good offense, obviously a great offensive mind. Uh, I just think the upside here is so good. The only thing that worries me is quarterback, but at the same time, uh, I think he and Freeman have a good rapport. Uh, at least he played well when Freeman was at the helm this year. You, are you, uh, do you mean Winston? Winston, sorry. Boy, no, I was going to say that was a Thursday. Like it took me back Freeman. from it. Yeah. yeah, that's like five years ago. It took sorry. me back from it. James Winston. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's one of those situations where this is all upside to me. I think he's just going to continue to get better and the talent is not cannot be denied. Uh, so that's why I got him number four this year in, in a very odd, 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 odd position. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. So I, you know, my bullet points were he showed some serious breakout potential before injuries took him out after week 10. I think in both leagues where I had shares of him, uh, non-dynasty leagues, right. um, two different formats, he was uh, trending as a top five tight end before the injuries happened. So in the t- 10 games he played, his splits were 48 targets, 34 receptions, 565 yards, five touchdowns, take that to 16 games, 77 targets. 54 receptions, 904 yards, and eight touchdowns. To me, that screams a top five tight end right there. And yeah, my last point was I'm banking on Bruce Arians featuring him as a main weapon alongside Mike Evans. So, I mean, if you look at the pace he was on, 
he was another one of those tight ends that showed that he could be a game breaker. I remember he had, yep. I think, back to back weeks where he had very long touchdowns. Um, right. And I mean, he, so he's a game breaker. He's super athletic. To me, it's almost like a young Antonio Gates where he's just a big athletic guy that has the ability to dominate a game. So, uh, I mean, uh, you know, just piggybacking off what you said, it's upside, but he showed the upsides there as long as he's healthy. So um, I think the offense itself is going to look a little better. Um, They were pretty good passing the ball last year as a whole. Um, But I think he slots in as the number two option behind Mike Evans easily, regardless of Godwin or what they do with Deshaun Jackson. So I expect him to be a focal point next year uh, in the Bruce Arians offense. Yep, I agree. So, Dan, I'm going to move on to my number five. And my number five, uh, I would have never have said this going into last year, (laughs) Eric Ebron. Oh, yeah. I'm not surprised by that. So, I mean, yeah, I'll just once again go through my talking points on Ebron. Completely on the scrap heap in Detroit, where in four years he scored 11 total touchdowns. Yeah, this year alone he scored 13, which was second overall in the league behind Antonio Brown, who we talked about earlier. So he eclipsed his total touchdowns for four years in one season. (laughs) (laughs) He He was one of the best Red Zone weapons in the league, and Andrew Luck featured him uh, a ton. And when I looked at Pro Football Reference on Red Zone targets, he was top ten in the league. So I mean, obviously he was one of the main guys. Because if you look at it outside of T.Y. Hilton, the receiving options are mediocre at best. And T.Y. Right. Hilton is not a big red zone guy. So you have right. a big athletic tight end that they featured and figured out a way to get him going. I think even if Jack Doyle comes back healthy, he still Ebron still has to be the focus tight end. Last year, I flip-flopped on that when Jack Doyle came back. I thought he was going to be the focus, but he never got right, and I think Ebron showed he could be a dynamic tight end in this team's offense. Now, he's not going to score 13 touchdowns. But I still think eight's an achievable target. So if you get eight or more, I mean, that's what Zach Ertz scores. I mean, uh, you know, uh, double digits could even be. uh, But I'd set his baseline right around eight if he's a red zone target like he was last year. So those are the reasons I have Ebron as my number five. Yeah, I actually have Ebron as my number six. Um, At my number five, I actually have Jared Cook. Oh, nice. Uh, Jared Cook, uh, he was a guy who I grabbed off of the waiver wire this past year, uh, and it paid off big time. And frankly, he's the only thing uh, fantasy-wise that I even trust in Oakland. Uh, <laughs> I'm not you know, huge on any of the backs there. We'll see what happens. I, I was had a feeling just for some reason that maybe Lev Bell ends up there, but we'll see. Right. Um, but in terms of receiving options, not much there. They got rid of Armari Cooper. There are not really any young players there that have kind of wowed anybody. Uh, Seth Roberts is okay, but, you know, not necessarily has any kind of star power there. Uh, and not a huge fantasy producer. Has nice games here and there. Uh, so they're going to have to throw the ball to somebody. Uh, and to me, last year, for the most part, it was Jared Cook. I mean, he had a bunch of nice fantasy games. Uh, it was to the point where I was playing him as a flex play because of how many touches, targets, and 
um, touchdowns and you know yards he was grabbing. So I, I don't. We'll see what happens in the off season. Um, but I think last year he showed that he is a, an elite fantasy option at tight end at, at a weak position. Uh, he didn't get drafted this past year. I know in our league of record. Uh, not going to be surprised if he gets picked up this season. But I mean, geez, it's tight end, so you can probably wait until the fifteenth round to grab him. <laughs> uh, he still absolutely should be there at that point. Um, but we'll see what happens. But you know, I, I like him um, just because uh, you know Ebron's my number six. Obviously, I never thought he'd be in the top ten discussion. I thought he was kind of donezo after he left Detroit because he didn't really do much there. Right. Again, sorry everybody up there in Detroit. If there's anybody up there, uh, you guys. Had, had Eric Ebron kind of stick his finger in your eye at this point, but um, I, I like Cook more than Ebron just because I feel like there are other options there. Um, but again, Ebron better quarterback. I think we can't uh, disagree on that, and I think we expect big year out of Andrew Luck next season. Um, but I, I just feel like the the targets for Cook are going to be higher than Ebron because no one else there right now that's going to take touches and targets away from him. Right. Yeah. And I will be talking about him a little later. So he definitely appears in my list. So, so Dan, you already teased it. Why don't you go into a little bit about Ebron at six? Well, you mean Ebron at six is, uh, frankly, a, a no brainer. Uh, these, this, this is the one that I, he had, I had the biggest problem with kind of putting him somewhere, um, because I think his upside's huge. Um, but it's still Eric Ebron. Like, uh, I think this was a season where he broke out and he showed you what he could do. Uh, but can he put back to back seasons together for it? And I get that. I didn't do that for OJ Howard, but I think he's younger, bigger upside, Jared cook. Uh, again, I just talked about that bigger, I think more targets. Uh, but I think luck, I think can kind of use Ebron as he's meant to be used. And I think he showed he can be a downfield threat. He's got good hands uh, and, and they move him around a lot. They give him carries at the goal line, which you never hear about for tight ends. He had a rushing touchdown this past season. Um, so I, I think now that he's shown them what he's capable of, maybe they opened it up for him a little bit, but I think there's going to be a lot more mouths to feed um, again on that uh, Indianapolis Colts team than the Raiders team, which is why I have Cook over him. Yeah, so I'm going to go at my number six with a guy that you briefly mentioned, and I think people are going to forget about him a little bit uh, based on the fact that he really didn't play at all last year. And my number six, Hunter Henry from the Chargers. So yeah, this was the guy that everybody looked at and said, the t- this one's breaking out this year. And unfortunately, he had a massive injury in the preseason, and that sort of stopped that train uh, rolling a little bit now. He was able to sort of get back for the playoffs, but never really. I'm, I'm, I'm almost glad that they just said, you know, we're going to focus on next year with this guy. Right. So some of the things I like about Hunter Henry is a high catch percentage guy. Uh, he's 68% or higher in his two healthy seasons. He's already shown he can score. He's got 12 touchdowns combined in the two years he's played. And really his rookie season wasn't, you know, I mean, that was still Antonio Gates showing that he still had some, yeah. some yeah. playing time left here. And... He's going to be 100% healthy going into the season. 
he should be the guy with no competition at the tight end position. And he's in one of the best offenses in the league. And Phillip Rivers, if there's one thing he knows how to do, is he knows how to use his tight end, especially when it gets to the end zone. So um, this is a guy, I think, um, going into next season. Obviously, knock on wood, barring any injury, um, <laughs> this is a guy I'm probably going to target in that eighth, ninth round. Um, if yeah. I don't get uh, one of the top three early, if I don't feel like going that route, I think this is the guy I'm going to look at because he was the guy I was looking at really uh, last year. But obviously, once yeah. the injuries came, I had to really pivot. So um, I, I just like him for the upside and the offense he's playing in with a quarterback that knows how to use him. So that's why I got Hunter Henry as my number six going into next season. Yeah, he's definitely showing up in my rankings, but he's not going to be showing up next. So, yeah, this is, and I'll be honest with you, this really seven through 10 is where I got very, it got very hard. Now, I'll go to my seven since I'm up, and it's Evan Ingram. And I say that not super excited about it, but yeah, me, yeah, yeah. It was like these seven, eight, and seven, eight, and nine, and 10. I was kind of like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, was kinda, I was not like feeling great about any of them. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was tough. It was tough. Yeah. So, so, I mean, here's what I can say about Evan Ingram. I like that he increased his catch percentage, which was actually a, a very big talking point. That was a weak point for him in his rookie season. He increased mm-hmm. it from 50 we'll just say 56 percent to 70 percent so that's a nice sizable increase for a guy that it sounded like that was just going to be part of his game was right he's just going to struggle with uh drops and and not catching the ball so i like that yeah here's some things that I'm, i'm concerned about he's the third option on offense at best when everybody's healthy and eli manning could cap his upside you know it's going to be saquon and and odell and then really everybody else is fending for targets and and volume out of there now here's one thing i do think he has the potential of doing uh when healthy is i think he can reach his rookie season numbers which was now the targets i don't know 115 targets seems a little bit high but 64 receptions 722 yards six touchdowns i think the yards and the touchdowns are in play um, but once again, when we get to the seven through 10, uh, it's good luck. So, um, Evan Ingram's my seven, but he could be 10. He could be eight. He could be nine. He could be out of my top 10 by the time the regular season <laughs> he could comes be in 30. Who knows where he ends up. Right. Yep. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm guessing that my number seven is probably going to show up in your next couple. Uh, it's Njoku. And my number seven is David Njoku. And I I think it was no secret this uh, season that I had big hopes for him uh, going into this year, this past fantasy season. And he kind of uh, he showed up, but just not at the same level I expected him to. Uh, I was got really excited with the hard knocks and just the talent. And I think he had so much hype coming into this season as well uh, that there is a there was a chance that he was going to really break out. And I think, you know, once Baker Mayfield got in there to me, it looked like he was going to him a lot more than Tyrod Taylor ever really thought, uh, thought to go to him. 
Um, so, so I just, th- I expect a, uh, another year of Baker Mayfield's going to do and Joku a lot of good. I know he's a matchup nightmare. I, I think he can outrun most of those linebackers. Um, and I think as a whole, uh, Cleveland Browns offense is going to take another jump, um, forward because, uh, you know, I just, I, I see just nothing but upside for him. Uh, I'll be honest with you right now, eight, and nine for me were Hunter Henry and then Evan Ingram. <laughs> um, uh, I like both of those. Uh, I, but and Joku better than both of those Henry. Mm, that's a little bit closer to me for me because of the reasons he outlined, uh, Philip rivers and the, the team's better, but Ingram, I, I there was a, it was a tough for me to even include him in my top 10. I'll be honest with you because, uh, Eli Manning. Yeah. And that's, that's really what it came down to for me is Eli Manning. Uh, so, uh, I like obviously Baker Mayfield and Philip rivers more than, uh, Eli, but it was Njoku coming in for number seven because of the upside. And I, I think he's, he's bound to make another leap, at least fingers crossed that he does, uh, this, this upcoming season. Yeah. So I'll be honest. Njoku was the hardest one I had. And, and yeah. I, I actually earlier today dropped him out, but oh, wow. he would be my 11 going into the season. And we only talk yeah. about our top 10. He right. was sitting at 10, but I flopped him out earlier today when I, when I reexamined. So, um, probably going to be a little bit of a surprise, but I'll tell you what, Dan, he just, he disappointed me in the playoffs where I thought, man, he is set up to have a monster finish to the season. It just, yeah. it was three receptions, 30 some yards. That was it. And it's yeah. just like, man, you're in a better offense with a better quarterback with a better overall situation. And I, I don't know why I, Right. It could be that this is the third year breakout coming. Very sure. well could yeah. be. So he's a guy that I'm going to keep an eye on <clears throat> sort of going into closer to the preseason to sort of see how right. the rapport is growing. But yeah, I had, right. a, I had a tough time with him. So surprisingly, he is not in my... He's not going to come into your top 10. He okay. was up until this morning when right. I sort of went through it again and, and <laughs> made some changes. So, sure. um, But yeah, Dan, my number eight and this... This guy could be retired by the time we start talking about this. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to put him on, but I'm, I'm going off the history of his game. And that's Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. And now it's very obvious he's coming off uh, probably his worst season of all time. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I don't even really think it's that close. But no, I mean, he was injured a lot. And, and that's going to be the problem is injuries could just stifle his Playing career, really. I mean, he, right. he could be done because you won all the Super Bowls. You've been dominant. You've been. You, you might go down as the best tight end of all time, right? <clears throat> and what's what's what are we playing for if if we're dealing with these really nagging injuries? So, I mean, he he could obviously not be on anybody's list. But yeah. one thing I did like after a really down season. He showed some life in the AFC Championship and Super Bowl with a combined 18 targets, 12 receptions, 166 yards. So didn't score, but showed some life where it was not even present in the regular season. Yeah. If he's healthy, and that's a big if, and he if he decides to play, just on his name alone, he's a threat to score double-digit touchdowns. So that's always in his range of possibilities. I don't think that's the case. Mm-hmm. But it's out there. So Gronk, once again, is my number eight, but he could very well be retired. So I, I don't it, that'll be one where it's going to get re-ranked as we get closer. So, 
you, you left Njoku out of yours. I left Gronk out of mine. Yeah. Uh, he was somebody who, you know, if this is two or three years ago, uh, he he's in the top. He's either he's number one or number two. Right? Yeah, right. Probably number one. Uh, I, I frankly, I I'm guessing. I don't think he comes back. I mean, what else does he have left to prove? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's not like he's had the Tom Brady seasons uh, where he's not had the nagging injuries, where he's not missed a couple games where you're kind of hoping that he has weeks built into the season where he goes off uh, for, you know, over a hundred yards and a couple of touchdowns to make up for the games that he's going to miss. So when you have Gronk now, you'd better have a backup plan. I had Gronk this season. I made a trade for him. I thought he was going to make a nice playoff push. There are games where he was not available and I had to roll out Jared cook and figure things out. Right. Um, I, I just don't think he has, he has nothing left to prove. I, I think he's established himself as, uh, if not the best tight end of all time, at, at least within the top five best tight ends of all time. And he's going to the hall of fame. I think he's a first ballot whenever he comes up just because there's been nobody else like him. Uh, he's not going to another team. Uh, so that's another thing you have to think about. There was rumors last season in the off season that they're trading Gronk. They're seeing what they can get from Gronk. He's like, I'm not going anywhere else. I'm playing with Tom Brady the rest of my career. Uh, if you trade me, I'm retiring. So uh, that's the other thing is, are the Patriots willing to go another season with the Gronk and the injuries? Or are they ready to move on? Right. I'm not sure about that. Uh, so uh, where he, you know, he probably warrants sneaking into the top 10 just because of who he is and his resume. Um, but I, I wasn't, I, I don't think, I mean, trust me, I'd rather have a, a Gronk on my team than have an Ingram. Uh, but at the same time, it was just something that I was not 100% sure he's going to be there next season. So, uh, and I, frankly, I don't think he is. Uh, if I was a betting man and I'm not, um, I would be, betting on hanging it up this year yeah that's very well in the range of his possibilities unfortunately so dan you briefly touched on your eight and nine did you want to go into any detail on either one of those players or i mean it's eight and nine and tight end so not really okay so then yeah i'll I'll jump to nine because my nine is jared cook so yeah yeah Uh, I, i got three points and it really echoes a lot of the same so he's he actually set his best statistical season of his entire career with 101 targets 68 receptions, 896 yards, six touchdowns. Every one of them across the board are records for his entire right. career. So that's obviously great. And you said it. He's the focal point of the Raiders offense. And if he stays in Oakland, it's fair to say he's going to be the focal point of their passing offense again. So, yeah, I mean, you said pretty much all of it. So my number nine is Jared Cook. And, you know, once again, if he stays in Oakland, that, that could definitely rise for sure. So... Um, Who do you have at number 10, Bob? And this is where it was in Joku, but I flipped it out for Austin Hooper. Oh, okay. Twitterverse. The Twitterverse uh, <laughs> talked you into that one, didn't they? Uh, a little bit. He was uh, – so he was originally my 11 and, and Joku was my 10, but the more I looked at it is – and here's my talking points. He made his statistical leap in his third season, so I think he's only going to get better. Right. His stats have risen every year. Targets year over year, 65 to 88. Receptions, 49 to 71, which for that one really stunned me. I, I didn't realize it was that much. Right. Yards, 526 to 660. Now, where he needs to improve his touchdowns, every year it's been 3, 3, 4. So he's not a big touchdown scorer. Right. But here's the thing I look back on, and, and this sort of, sort of jogged my memory a little bit, was... 
Dirk Cutter, who is now their offensive coordinator, was their coordinator 2012 to 2014. In that time frame, the Falcons' pass offense was top 10 in attempts and yards, and he heavily featured. Now, this is an all-time great tight end. I'm not comparing these two, but he right. featured him. Tony Gonzalez, who in yeah. those two years, <laughs> 176 receptions, almost 1,800 yards, and 16 touchdowns. Now, that right. to me is not in his range of possibilities, but it just shows me that Cutter's willing to feature the tight end. So right. with all that, and really, if you look at it, Atlanta might have the most dangerous, one of the most dangerous core weapons on offense with running back with, I think it's going to be a healthy Devonta Freeman. You've got one of the best receivers in Julio Jones. You've got Calvin Ridley, and now you've got a tight end like Austin Hooper. That's why I bumped him into my 10 over in Joku. So Dan, who's your 10 going into next year? Vance McDonald. Fancy, fancy. Fancy, fancy. Uh, and, and here's why. AB's a- gone. Uh, he's not going to be there. Uh, there's going to be targets up for grabs. Uh, and I think he's probably been the most athletic tight end that the Steelers have had in recent memory. Uh, I think he's more athletic than Heath Miller. And Heath yeah. Miller was a viable fantasy tight end for quite a while while he was there. Uh, ben will throw to the tight end when they're open. And uh, I think you see, you saw what Vance brings to the table uh, in terms of that big, uh, big old stiff arm that he gave uh, someone at the beginning of the season. Uh, so, it, all right, maybe it's a little wishful thinking, but frankly, uh, I, I thought about Hooper. What worried me about Hooper? There's there are a lot of mouths to feed on that um, Atlanta offense. Yep. It's a situation where you've got Julio. Uh, who's a target hog? You've got Devonta Freeman coming back. Um, you've got the emergence of Calvin Ridley, and then Mohamed Sanu is there too. Uh, so I think there's a situation where Austin Hooper. I get that. I, 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 he's probably maybe within my next five after this. Um, but I just like Vance McDonald more uh, just because I think there's going to be more targets up for grab. And uh, I think he, and, you know, if when there's an opportunity for him to be featured a little bit more now that AB has gone, uh, I think he might, you know, make a huge jump and surprise some people. The other person I thought about maybe throwing there was Trey Burton, but he disappointed me so much this year. And I don't know what to think yeah, uh, he in was terms of what that offense is going to, going to look like. Right. He was uh, a complete dud for me last year. He was a guy that I looked at as one of those late round, like, yeah, this guy, I'm just going to plug him in, get him late. And, right. But yeah, that never happened. The one big takeaway I, th- I took away from doing these and looking through the names and stuff like that is that this position is wide open right now. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity for young tight ends to emerge uh, in the league as viable fantasy options because uh, the older regime is gone or aging out. Right. Um, right. People who, I mean, the only person who you had that in there uh, that I was, cons- uh, that I didn't consider putting in was Gronk. Um, but there's also guys like uh, Delaney Walker. He used to be a top routinely top 10 uh, fantasy tight end. Is he going to be back next season? He's going to overcome the injury. Who knows what's happening with him? Uh, Jordan Reed uh, used, used to be <laughs> talked about as an How was that beer, Dan? How was that yeah, beer? Fantastic. <laughs> uh, you know, talked about it in the same regard as, uh, you know, just talent can't beat the injuries, but now he's got quarterback concerns there in Washington as well. Uh, the last guy, you know, somebody who's been a stellar tight end in the league, Greg. 
Olsen. <laughs> oh, uh, freaking he's, he's, Greg. Uh, he's coming back for 2019. Um, but you know what the thing is, is it, to me, okay, he doesn't have the championships that Gronk has, but he's got the, the stats and he's established himself as a very high quality player. And he's got a great uh, first name. Yeah, Greg. He's got a Greg first name. And <laughs> I just, I, I don't under, like, I mean, he pushed himself back this year and ended up getting another surgery. So why put yourself through it again? I mean, we'll see what the rehab is. But those are guys who have, you know, routinely, I think, been ranked within the top 10. Uh, who are now jettisoned from right. those positions because of injuries, retirement, and aging out. Right. And, uh, you know, now uh, the other person who I had written down for some reason is Kyle Rudolph. And I, let me make a comparison. Austin Hooper reminds me a lot of Kyle Rudolph because there are so many mouths to feed on the Minnesota offense that Kyle Rudolph will get touchdowns, but he's not a guy who's going to be the focal point of the offense. I think that the guys, at least in my top 10, I think have an opportunity uh, to be featured a little bit more in the offense. I don't think Austin Hooper has that opportunity in Atlanta. So, Dan, did you do a sleeper? Uh, God, is there a sleeper? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think my biggest... Uh, <laughs> I, I guess I would say my sleeper probably is going to be Trey Burton uh, because I think the talent's there and I think the team is good. Uh, I, I don't think he could be as bad as he was this season because the talent is there. Uh, so I think maybe if he gets a little bit more comfortable in the Bears offense, um, we've seen Kelsey do great things in the Natty offense. Uh, we'll see if, excuse me, if. Um, Burton can make the new make the jump. The name that keeps coming to my mind when I think about tight end though is Hayden Hurst. Uh, he was very, 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 very highly regarded coming into the draft last season. Uh, he was a highly sought after pick in dynasty formats because I think people were expecting him to kind of jump off, uh, jump jump right into the mix. Uh, in Baltimore. Uh, but now that Lamar Jackson's at the helm, uh, I'm a little bit concerned because as we both have seen in Lamar Jackson last year, we don't know what it'll be like this upcoming season, not necessarily going to throw the ball a lot. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But I guess Trey Burton would probably be my sleeper at this point. You actually listed uh, Chris Herndon of the New York Jets, and he came out of nowhere to really have a good rookie season. Yeah. One thing I like is he's playing with now a second year, but at the time a rookie quarterback. So normally they tend to lean on their tight ends when things start breaking down. I mean, he has as many touchdowns as Njoku did with four last season. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind. And I could see him getting around 50 receptions, 650 yards, and six touchdowns in his second year. So, I mean, those stats alone could break him into that top 10, which is what we're looking for in a sleeper. So, uh, not somebody I'm necessarily targeting per se, but right. if I'm going with a sleeper, I mean, uh, I don't know if people are really necessarily targeting him. So, he fits sure. the criteria for me as a sleeper. So. Yep. So, Dan, we've gone through every single position for the 2019 way too early rankings. It'll be interesting to see sort of as we get into the preseason and and redo this again, where that all settles in. But, um, but yeah, it was good. I mean, it was fun just to discuss and really start looking ahead. And, you know, as we saw with some news breaking, this news break (laughs) could end up impacting what we've already talked about immediately. So normally that's sort of closer to the draft time. But, hey, it looks like NFL. 
NFL is going to a full year, always something going on type of league. So we, we might be talking about more news as we keep doing these podcasts during the offseason here. So, <laughs> yeah, let's hope it keeps uh, this exciting. Uh, we will never be hurting for things to talk about. Um, I, I think it probably is going to slow down here a little bit. Yeah. Did you did you try to seek out any um, fantasy leagues for the the football alliance, Bobby? You know what? That got brought up in a um, uh, group chat that I'm still in on, on Twitter, but uh, I never really looked at because uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm sort of in the throes of pushing for my fantasy football or basketball playoffs right now. So yeah. I, I sort of enjoy shifting gears to that right sure. now, and you know my mediocre team is playing very mediocre going into <laughs> what <laughs> what is a playoff push here. So of right. course, so um, I I didn't really get a chance to watch too much of it on uh, on Sunday too. So did you watch any of the games? I did actually. I I, I caught most of the one on Saturday night. Um, and then I watched most of it on Sunday as well. Uh, the one thing that really stood out was the massive hit that the one uh, oh, quarterback, the quarterback caught. Yeah. yeah, where his helmet flew off. I know a lot of people love that, uh, but that's something now that they're trying to work out of the NFL. Um, but in, I was I was surprised at the the quality of play. I thought it was going to be worse than it was, um, but man, there's a big difference between an NFL quarterback and the quarterbacks that are there. <laughs> uh, that's, that's the one thing that I noticed. And uh, the other thing is, is that I really love the idea that you're getting opportunities for players who are like D, you know, D three type players, maybe who are, hadn't get a shot, to, you know, get in front of anybody or see anybody or have anybody watch them play at a level where they're seeing higher levels of competition, get a shot to kind of show their stuff. Um, what I really think this is going to pan out for though, is, is a position. I know that you love Bob is kickers. I, I think this is going to be, uh, the situation with how poor the NFL kicking was last season. Yeah. Uh, that there's going to be a lot of guys, uh, who were from this Alliance who are going to get picked up when kickers start going South in the NFL. So, and that could uh, happen if anything, with if the anything, quickness. I, yeah, I, I think the kicking is going to get, uh, a, a fresh look there. Although they got rid of the extra points in the Alliance and there's none of those. Um, so there's just the field goals at this point, but I, I thought it was fun. It was entertaining. Um, I'll watch it again. Uh, you see, you had a Trent Richardson signing on uh, Sunday. Um, but you know, the one thing I know that I did miss though, um, from watching it is, uh, the star power. I mean, there, yeah. you know, you and I know all the names of the players for the most part in, in the league, in the NFL. Uh, so it was just kind of watching the, the teams. It was almost like watching college football for me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm interested in checking it out. I just didn't get a real chance to sit down and watch any of it. But, yeah, all the reviews I heard was surprisingly good play because, you know, I, th I think the expectations, I, I don't necessarily know what they were, but maybe not a high level, but the, it was surprising is what I got out of it. So uh, right. it seems like it got a good first review. So yeah, good for yeah. them. I mean, hey, there's never enough football. Next year, the XFL will be coming back. So <laughs> that's true. We're going to have football, uh, you know, 
uh, 12 months out of the year at this point, the way it's going. Yeah, exactly. So, Dan, moving forward, you had made some ideas for uh, topics. What, what are we going to dive into over the next couple of weeks here? What, what was the suggestion you had there? Uh, I think what the next thing that we're going to be talking about is, is we're going to go through um, divisions and conferences. Uh, AFC, NFC goes through the, all of the various divisions and then just kind of pick and choose uh, teams and players. We'll go through all the teams, but then pick some players that we want to talk about uh, and just kind of maybe pick some sleepers out of those particular teams and stuff like that. Uh, and just the fantasy outlook for um, the upcoming season by division, not necessarily, you know, in, in these formats, we're talking about top 10 players, but there's guys in the top 50 or in the top 25 that we don't get to talk about. Um, I, I think that's when we're going to, what we're going to do next and take a little bit of a deeper dive into the teams individually. Uh, can talk about guys like Tyler Boyd, um, who we, who we obviously didn't get to talk about. And, uh, even AJ green things like that. So, um, we're going to start working our way through the league next, Bobby. Sounds good to me, Dan. So on that note, let's go ahead and close up our show. So as always, you can join us on Twitter and Instagram at NotTakesFF, N-O-T-T-A-K-E-S-F-F. Feel free to email us, NotTakesFF at gmail.com. You can visit our podcast homepage, anchor.fm forward slash NotTakesFF. That's A N. C-H-O-R dot F-M forward slash not takes F-F. You can listen to us there, interact with us there. You'll get links to every platform that we're on. So if you have a particular platform you prefer to listen and you don't feel like necessarily searching on there, you can go to that page and it'll link directly to there where you can subscribe. Uh, for the people that listen to us on Apple Podcasts, give us a moment of your time and rate, review, and subscribe to the show there. Um, but the key is rate and review. If you can give us a five-star rating and review, it really helps us out. If you like what we're doing, we appreciate the support and the feedback. But really, any platform that you listen on, take a moment and subscribe so that way you get the uh, one episode per week during the offseason. And then we jump up to three per week during the regular season. But Dan, why don't you throw a shout out to your brother for the intro and outro song he created for us? Yeah, it's called Alma. Uh, it's a uh, the song written, created, played all by my brother Tom. Uh, if you like what he did with that, you should check out his SoundCloud. It's that dude Tom. Uh, he's always putting out new stuff, trying to put out new stuff. I know he's doing collaborations now with uh, various people across the country, actually, where he'll do the music, he'll do the singing, and then they combine it and then they kind of send it out. So uh, definitely a new thing where you can kind of have a mobile band almost from different states, but uh, it's worked out well. So uh, check it out. And a uh, big shout out to him for uh, letting us use the song. And uh, it's been with us from the start and it'll be with us till the end, man. Sounds good. And until next week, Dan, we start looking into the divisions uh, in more detail. I will talk to you later. Woo!